This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, the world of big tech is in focus in part for the concerns around Facebook, Google, and others. It's a transformative time, though, for the industry, especially with these companies playing a critical role in the future of economies around the globe. And most of these companies started out years prior as startups with the goal of becoming a big success. Alexis Ohanian has seen both sides of this story. He's the founder of social site Reddit, but he's also the managing partner of Initialize Capital, a company looking to help fund startup ventures, or as they say on their website, started by founders for founders. And a pleasure to have him joining us right now. Alexis, thanks very much for your time. Oh, my absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you, sir. I, let's start with Initialize Capital because I, I think it's a, a unique dynamic that we see play out uh, in the tech sector right now and, and just surrounding startups in general. It is having companies available there to help startups take that next step. Was that part of, of what you were looking for when getting going with Initialize Capital? Yeah, Dan, that's exactly what it was. You know, my co-founder, Gary Tan, and I, we had been founders. Uh, you know, you referenced the company I co-founded, uh, Reddit, uh, at the jump. And we went through the process of starting something from nothing, getting it to exit. I actually got the chance to do a little bit of a turnaround, which I didn't expect. Um, but we saw the experiences we had as founders, and then we remembered what kind of investors we had, and frankly, how much more we wished we had gotten out of them. And so we decided to make an early-stage venture firm that was the kind of firm that we wish we had had when we were founders, when we were CEOs. How different, then, do you believe you are as somebody funding these companies in comparison to the people you were talking with when you were getting Reddit up and going? Yeah. Well, look, I know every every VC says this, but, but I think we can really walk the talk, which is we are all operators. We've actually done it, and we've done it very recently. So the advice and the perspective we have is not from 10 or 20 or 30 years ago. It's from two years ago. And, and, and core to that also is we're still product people. Um, we still build software. And actually, Initialize has software that we've built. We've got our own product team, engineering team, um, and we've built software that runs every element of our day-to-day firm operations. And so, you know, we, we seem to we, we, we have an advantage because just like any startup, uh, we know that software is drastically changing industries, and we think venture capital is no exception. And so I just I, I want code to do all the heavy lifting that my partners and I are not great at because humans are very good at creative, intuitive problem-solving. Uh, but not so good at the long-term memory retention. And we just let the databases do that hard stuff so we get to focus on actually helping our companies. I would imagine that that it's a unique dynamic for you in that with initialized capital and, and the companies that you are working with, some of these are people that, that have come to you with a pitch, or some of these are companies that you have seen and are very interested to get involved with. Is, is that the case? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're pretty fortunate at this point where we have more inbound than we know what to do with. And, and so we get amazing founders coming to us regularly telling us what the future is going to look like, or at least what they think it's going to look like. And we don't always agree with them, uh, but when we do, uh, and we think that they're capable of bringing that future to reality, we invest with them. Uh, we're their first investor, their first believer, their biggest investor, their biggest believer, and, and we're willing to roll up our sleeves and work with them for the next decade or however long it takes. And, uh, and it's a, look, it's a, it's a great day job. I'm very, very, very fortunate <laughs> to be able to do it. And, uh, and I get to bring home some really good dinner table conversations uh, to my wife and daughter 
about what I did at work that day. I, I so, saw. I, I, saw I, I love every minute of it. Yeah, yeah I, I would imagine. I saw a story. Speaking of companies that that, that you guys are involved with, I saw a story written mm-hmm. about one of those companies, which I found interesting, and and I'd love to give uh, you to give the backstory on it. Eclipse Foods. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. which I saw a story written about plant based ice cream. Now, obviously, plant based yeah. foods are 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 taking over uh, by storm with a lot of a lot of different uh, elements of, of the food sector right now. This is the first time I had heard about plant based ice cream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. This is uh, this is an exciting one. Um, Eclipse basically is, seeks out to be the impossible of dairy, and and what they've done is actually taken. Uh, just a handful of off-the-shelf items, some I mean, things you could get at a, at a Whole Foods, and, and no soy, no nuts, no wheat, no lactose, and, uh, and made ice cream out of it. And, um, and they've put some really impressive tech. Uh, the founders, Thomas Nalon, have long experience. Thomas is a Michelin star chef and food scientist, and Nalon has been in the plant-based business space for about a decade now. And, uh, and they wanted to create something that tasted just as good, if not a little better, than milk-based uh, ice cream, and and cost just as much, uh, and then obviously had far less of a, of a sort of environmental impact, and uh, and the stuff. It, it, I'm I'm biased, obviously, but it tastes great. And they actually just sold out of um, their first batch at Oddfellows, uh, which is a New York-based ice cream shop, uh, just last week, and uh, and the reviews have been coming in pretty strong from folks, and uh, you know I think it's part of a bigger trend. And and when you think more broadly, too, you know, consumers want food that tastes delicious, that is accessible, that is affordable. Um, and I think now more than ever is also sustainable. And and uh, and I think I think we're on to something pretty special with Eclipse. And I would imagine being a dad, you're probably pretty, pretty well liked when you're able to slide some ice cream coming home as well. Correct. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I get some points with my daughter. I brought home a pint of the Humphrey Slocum Eclipse ice cream literally yesterday, um, and and my daughter was pleased. And actually, my wife too, who who doesn't always do great with uh, lactose, is pretty happy with a lactose-free ice cream that that tastes just as good as as the one with dairy. Your wife, so I'm I, points. Your your wife, obviously <laughs> Serena Williams, the, the the great tennis pro. I, I, so let's talk about and about, investor and investor <laughs> as well. Let's talk about <laughs> uh, about uh, the. The world of tech right now, and I mentioned at the top, obviously, a lot that is going on in this tech sector. More and more, we see the impact that that tech is having on our society, on our culture. With all that we have seen on Capitol Hill over the last few uh, few weeks, where do you think tech is going, and where do you think government may end up playing a role in that? Well, it seems like we are clearly on a course for some form of more government intervention or oversight into tech. I think that's pretty clear. Uh, you know, I I just, I want to make sure that as government is making these decisions, they have technologists in the room and they're asking the right questions in order to form policies or make decisions that don't have these chilling effects. And, and I, I, I want to remain optimistic here because I, you know, there is a role to be played, um, and I just hope that, again, we can have the right people in the room. You know, when we saw – I can't remember which senator it was uh, – grilling Zuck, this was a few months back, and asked what Facebook's business model was. Right. That, that was disappointing, um, right? Someone in the room for, – for a company and a CEO this powerful, someone in the room should have briefed the senator ahead of time 
and explained like advertising is their business model and here's how it works um, because that that's table stakes at this point right everyone should be able to come into the meeting briefed with that much and I think technology is for certainly for a generation and grow up with it at times I get I get it is pretty inscrutable um, but it's so clear the impact that technology is have has having both both good and bad on our society and I see it I mean the, the best of it is is we're actually seeing it now in this uh, we're seeing fam tech or family tech with with so much software helping families actually better operate uh, whether it's helping moms get back to work with a mom project or or finding suitable uh, child care with kinside these are companies that are using technology to do things to make our lives better and I still believe in the general goodness of technology to do that um, but at the same time we are only now waking up to the impact that technology is having on our lives whether it's social media influencing voting uh, whether it's automation uh, gonna have a tremendous impact on unemployment especially in sectors like retail and uh, and that's happening in, in right now it's, it's not happening in decades it's happening right right this moment well and so I just want to make sure that the folks in DC are well informed when they're deciding which way our future will go because there's a lot of economic upside if we make the right decisions and a lot of life improvement that can happen if we make the right decisions. And that's why I think a lot of people are, are very closely watching the impact of something like GDPR over in Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was here. Here's an example of well-intentioned legislation that I think by and large, most people agree, you know, it, it hasn't had the, the fully desired impact when it comes to uh, I mean, there's getting getting a few extra pop-ups and cookie notifications is is one thing, but when really what we're talking about is user privacy, um, you know, the the model is being copied. It looks like at a state level here in the U.S. And I think more and more companies are going to have to reconcile what they're doing with their data. Um, but but what is ultimately the impact we want to have, and is that legislation getting us there? I don't think we're there yet. And and I, I want us to be able to have a conversation where consumers, voters, I mean, we're one and the same, are properly informed about just what they're either giving up or getting uh, in order to make the best decision for themselves. And I just think we're not even there yet because we aren't able to have that conversation about what what is actually happening and, and what the actual impact is. So then can you start to think about where the Internet potentially is going to take us in the years to come or is that still a little bit of a process that is developing because like a lot of things tech is changing as, as we move along as well yeah there's i mean i it's part of my job to have a crystal ball and it's it's a pretty good crystal ball but it is far from perfect and and the the one trend that is undeniable is that software and often transmitted through the internet, software is going to have a bigger and bigger role in every single industry, everywhere, uh, without exception. And so that is going to provide tremendous cost savings. That's going to provide tremendous efficiency, better user experience, et cetera, et cetera. But it's also going to come with uh, pretty drastic changes. And so I want to make sure we get the best possible outcomes. I think like most people, I just want a better world for my kids um, and and the, the challenge is the speed with which this is all happening is so much faster than institutions like government are equipped to move. And I know part of that is by design, but uh, but but the, I, I cannot emphasize enough the rate at which this is all evolving and changing is is fast. I mean, you saw it even 
just a few weeks ago with the discussions around Libra, um, Facebook's uh, cryptocurrency venture, uh, and the conversations around the future of money. Uh, this is a really bizarre time where, I mean, I was in D.C. that same week on the um, campaigning for the paid family leave issue. And, and I tried at three different cafes to pay using my phone, just using Apple Pay. Yeah. Right? And all three of those cafes in our nation's capital did not take it. And so you know, I was mm. trying to find some cash or a credit card and pull it out. And it may seem like a minor inconvenience until you realize that in China for years, Homeless people have had QR codes on their signs so that someone could walk by, scan their phone, and send them money. And and this is the rate of change that oftentimes we're just, I think, blind to even in the tech industry until we get out of our own bubbles, which is, you know, yeah, a homeless person in China right now can accept money easier than a cafe in our nation's capital. And And what are the implications of that as we fast forward just five more years and and who is managing those financial networks starts to become really, really important and really, really vital. And so this starts to be an issue of national security. This is an issue of, of American values. There's, there's a lot here. And, and we're still having a conversation that we probably should have had five years ago. Well, well when you think about all of the areas that we see tech companies not just involved in the tech sector, but thinking about mm-hmm. you know all the tech companies that that are now involved in healthcare, uh, mm-hmm. getting more and more involved in banking. Google, you know, talking about uh, doing checking accounts. Amazon with the with the changes that they're making in terms of uh, of the shopping experience uh, in, in grocery and and those areas. We're talking about transformative change, not just in one area. But but in so many areas across our culture, absolutely. And and the the good news is, I'm I'm the guy who always bets on the David. The the Goliaths in these spaces are are massive, no doubt. And and the only good news is is the the size and the influence that they have, and basically the track record they have, has also given startups an opportunity to compete when those startups sold to the rest. And so you mentioned Amazon and Amazon Go and their self-checkout. The launch of that helped spur the sales of, a, of an initialized company called Standard Cognition, which is providing the same infrastructure or similar, I'd argue better, infrastructure for cashierless self-checkout to all the rest of retail. Because when Amazon Go shows up in your town and is offering a way to just walk in, get a Coca-Cola and walk out, uh, retailers are terrified, and yeah. rightly so, because they know Amazon's track record and they know what Amazon does when they get into markets. And it provides an opportunity for startups to now compete by selling comparable software and technology to the incumbents. But I, I, I know this, this, is, this is the magic of capitalism, and when it works, it provides consistent competition and allows consumers to, to ultimately win in the end. And so that's the flywheel I want to make sure always works. Um, and when we have these these massive, massive businesses that are wildly profitable, that are continuing to grow, like Amazon and Google, that's the flywheel I want to make sure always continues to work. They're, they're, and, and that's the thing that also gets potentially more and more threatened as these companies get stronger and more powerful. And uh, and that, that's the flywheel we need to keep going because that's the thing that makes sure that 
we continue to have entrepreneurship and the free market continues to give us the, the best ideas. I find it interesting that, that you have such this this strong interest in family tech. And you mentioned about being mm-hmm. involved in, in the conversations about paid family leave. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. now being a dad and a husband and, and that I think that it drives the want to be involved in this area and look at some of the spots that maybe need tweaking, maybe need fixing at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Dan, I'll tell you, you know, it's, it's on the one hand, I get that it's kind of sad that it took me to have to actually be a parent and a husband to care, or at least really deeply understand the problem. But I think like a lot of us as, as entrepreneurs, um, the, 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 ver- the very best sort of most motivated people are the ones who feel the acute pain. And, uh, and what I've seen firsthand is there are so many opportunities now thanks to technology, um, to, to, to let us be better connected to, to the very things that give us so much of our purpose. And, and it wasn't until becoming a father that I realized my legacy was not Reddit. It's not initialized. It's, it's my daughter. It's my family. And I, it was only when I walked through that door that I joined this club where now I feel like I connect with so many other business dads as well as business moms and just parents who um, who exclaim the same thing. And, yeah. and as successful as they've been in their industries, no matter what the industry is, um, as, as great as they have been, they still know at the end of the day when they're hopefully you know old and sitting on the porch thinking about a life well lived, they are thinking about the people in it and the experiences they had with them. Um, and those are the things that give them a sense of pride. And so I'm, I'm pleased that we're seeing also now more interest than ever in, in both the technology and the kind of lifestyle that lets us try to find, we never find a balance between work and life. That's just absurd. Yeah. But we're seeing more technology that helps us navigate it. And, um, and I think that's a great thing. I mean, we have, we have amazing tools to let us take selfies and share them. <laughs> Uh, but those ultimately don't have a huge impact on the world in in the way that that we uh, we really want them to. And so to see technology now making it easier to navigate the world of, of parenthood uh, is, I think, a very good thing and also a, a very massive business opportunity. Uh, Alexis, I will leave you with one note. Being a, a divorced dad with three kids, mm-hmm. the fact that FaceTime exists and I can still see mm-hmm. my kids' faces on weeks that with mm-hmm. the, when they are with their mom – it, it, it's mm-hmm. invaluable. It, it's absolutely mm-hmm. invaluable. And, and, and that is just the start. Then yeah. I think yep. I, I hear you and we need even better and we need even more and it's coming. Alexis, thanks very much for your time. Greatly appreciate it. And hopefully we can uh, catch up again down the road. All right, man. Take care. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Alexis Ohanian joining us here on Wharton Business Daily, founder of Reddit and now also managing partner of Initialize Capital. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.